0: would like to welcome to the Athletics and Beyond Student-Athlete Show, uh, a very accomplished person in the Denver community, in the professional community, and in the NFL community. Um, You are an NFL Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 50. You, uh, You are a Notre Dame alum, you are a and an author, which is something I really want to hear about as well. And you're also a, a radio personality for Altitude Sports Radio. Uh, welcome to the show, Ryan Harris. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Coach Reese. Happy to be here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know what? Let's get to the author part, <laughs> because I, I, I find that uh, really interesting. And uh, we're going to plug the book as well as the mindset of, for mastery and NFL champions guide to reaching your greatness. Um, I'm, I'm making a very uh, ambitious statement, but it seems to me like you're uh, a person who's always had interest outside of football. Um, so um, that kind of would lead to the authoring of this book. You could tell me if I'm wrong or not. Well, you
1: know, I wanted to author the book because, you know, when you win the Super Bowl, everything you believe about yourself comes true for other people. And I want people to have that moment in their life. Right. Too often, you know, we allow failures or embarrassment to prevent us from living our wildest dreams. And one of the things I talk about when I speak is when I speak to companies and things like that and teams is you choose your mindset. I mean, I was told I was too small, too short, too old, too young, too injured. I had a coach tell me, Ryan, you get injured so much because you have soft bones. That's not a medical term. And in that way, people lie to us all the time. You know, And, and so often we believe them, but choosing your mindset and doing it, I did it with the words, I am, I can, I will. Hey, I am terrified the night before the Super Bowl that my greatest achievement is going to be my greatest failure. But I'm also prepared. I am ready. I'm excited I can put on my path tomorrow I can kick someone's tail and I will be a champion. And whether you believe it or not. When you say these things out loud your mind believes it's real. Right? I am going to crush this presentation. I can make sure to think about questions in advance that I can answer. I will rock this presentation and I will get a good grade or I will, you know, succeed for this company so your mindset's the only differentiating factor in your success.
0: That's a uh, that's interesting. It sounds like there's some um, there's some references to the four agreements. Um, oh, I just read that book, man. Okay, I love oh, to, to that tell book. me about it. How does that apply? Right, it all it, an agreement is only agreement if I agree to it, right?
1: Right, and 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 it it your mindset is something that you choose, right? I mean, one of the things that. Uh, in the NFL, there are 1,600 players every season, but only 53 become champions. It's not because there's not other talent, right? It's because those 53 guys who won the Super Bowl, they are willing to go beyond their individual success. They are willing to recognize that the team success is the only way to win. And uh, for me, you know, I had teammates when I was in Houston who wanted to go out Thursday and Friday nights, and I was an outcast because I wouldn't, right? Now that's not the way to win in the NFL for me, right? And so do I wanna be a part of a group or do I wanna chase a championship? And one of the things with choosing your mindset is being okay being different. Listen, everything about Peyton Manning is different, the way he prepares, the way he says Omaha, right? And, and yet when we, when we go, have to be different in our own lives, we start worrying a little bit, right? Like, oh no, like I I wanna fall in line. I wanna be a part of the culture. Well, if that culture is about losing, then stop it, right? And that's very similar to to money, right? Hey, I'm gonna spend my money because like, like my boy spent his money or I'm gonna spend my money to let people know I'm rich. The wealthiest people, you'll never know. The less you see, the more I have. So your mindset dictates your success. And if you say to yourself, I am going to be successful, I can find new things to do, I will be successful, and you can name those things, then everything starts to come together. You're going to have to do the work, right? That's why the words I can are so powerful. I used them after the Broncos released me the first time I was with them. You know, I said I can still be a great football player without being a Denver Bronco. I I even said I can be a good husband without being a Denver Bronco, right? My whole identity was tied to being a Denver Bronco went to Houston for two years, then Kansas City for a year, came back and won the Super Bowl and then went to the Steelers. So I'm so glad I chose my mindset because that's the only thing that you have to combat awkwardness, embarrassment and failure. And you can do that in any part of your life.
0: I'd be interested to talk to the coach that told you you were too small, but you know, whatever. Everybody yeah. has a reason. Everybody needs an excuse, right? Just, just say right. I'm not good enough. I'd rather have you tell me I'm not good enough than know I'm big enough and to then tell me I'm too small. It, it just, it just seems like a, a poor excuse to me. And,
1: and, and my whole thing is, you can tell me what you want about me. I know, and I'm not listening. You know, I mean, that's the, that's just a different way to go at it. You know, and, and of course, you have to listen and you have to learn new things but people's opinion of you are not facts. And when you choose your mindset, you can create the facts behind who you are.
0: I um, I have had this conversation with many an athlete and uh, I have experienced in my own life, just having trouble adapting that athlete's mindset to the professional world. And sometimes you get the manager that says, okay, Tries to give you the pep talk, right? And just imagine that it's before the game and you're like, dude, it's not the same. You know what I mean? The adrenaline is not the same. There's no blood gushing. It's not, man. So spare me the pep talk. But I think there is an art to taking that same mindset and applying it to your career after being an athlete or after athletics. How have you done that? you're now a broadcaster Uh, with altitude and, uh, you know, how, how have you been able to successfully apply that same mindset in what you do now?
1: Right. Well, I think first and foremost, I love that you recognized too, like that, that transition from a physical place. I mean, I grew up in an environment for 17 years of football where if I had a conflict, I could confront it right now. You know what? And, and the other thing too, that you learn in sports is when you address conflict, that's, then you can leave it in the past, right? I had a teammate the year we won Super Bowl 50. We got into a huge fight in training camp. But guess what? We ate lunch together right after that practice, you know? And, but so many people in the regular business world don't have that experience. So many people avoid confrontation. So that's when I go back to my mindset, okay, what can I do if I'm in an environment where I can't grab somebody and throw them against the wall if they talk to me wrong? Uh, I'm talking to somebody uh, whose fear is success, which happens a lot, right, outside of football. I'm talking to somebody who doesn't want to seek confrontation. All right, I can learn how to communicate to people, right? Doing little things, noticing stuff about people, you know, uh, really, really can endear you to them. You know, Coach Reese, I see you got a pool table back there, man. Are you good at pool? I mean, look, you're smiling already. We're engaging, right? And and also one powerful thing of the many that I learned from coach Tomlin at the Pittsburgh Steelers is he, he would call certain guys, comfort seekers, right? And he would always say, men do not seek comfort. And when you realize that a lot of people seek comfort, okay, well, my tone or my vision is going to threaten their way of life, you know, and that's literally whether people will say it or not. If they've been doing something certain way and they've been at this job for a while, they're not going to want to change and try something new.
0: We'd like to take a moment to thank our partners at WorkNow. They are a collaboration of organizations working to create pathways to construction careers and creating opportunity for all people. Learn more by visiting their site, work-now.org.
1: And so I take things a lot less personally uh, than I did in the NFL. I uh, I approach things from a place of understanding. You know, where is this person coming from? What's important to this person, right? People will often tell you what's important to them. They'll speak in terms that let's like data, right? Hey, we had a sixty percent increase of a year over year. That's great. That's data. Or hey, we've got stronger relationships with our vendors. Well, that's that's a relationships person, right? And so you have to figure out. how to to engage with people. And so a couple of books I highly recommend um, are um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's a book on negotiation that will change your life. And uh, also the book Ask Powerful Questions, Creating Conversations That Matter. And that's similar to, you know, whether you're talking about business or whether you're talking about race, right? We could talk about race, And I can ask you, you know, and we can ask questions back and forth from a grounded stance or a stance that's an emotion and the issue, or we can go to the goal and look for solutions. And if we're talking about race, I can talk about Breonna Taylor, or I can ask, can you make an $11 million mistake at your job and keep your job? No. No? Okay. Well, that's what the officers who killed Breonna Taylor did. They get to keep their job. While we're talking about qualified immunity, hey, I love great police officers. I live near one, he's fantastic. And uh, I also have friends who are in the military and none of them have qualified immunity. So how can soldiers in a war zone not have qualified immunity, but police officers in our community? And now we're having a conversation and it's on it's on you if you're a leader to
0: create that conversation in a non-threatening way. You, you brought up something that crosses my mind quite often. Um, I don't wanna to go too far down this, but this is definitely something that, that interests me because there is a paper trail to what goes on with, with these settlements and, and people that are, are brutalized and, and abused by uh, law enforcement. Or, and, and, and obviously we know that uh, it's an integral part to our communities and to our society and everyone wants to feel safe and I'm with you. Uh, I, I definitely want uh, police officers to be appreciated and uh, the ones that do the job right. I think we definitely need to acknowledge that and appreciate that. Uh, but the paper trail is obvious, you know, if, you, if you're if you paying out $4 million, $5 million, the last thing we wanna do is see another source of waste in our municipalities. And I think their families would say, you know what? I'd rather have Philando Castile back than X amount of dollars. It's a waste for everybody. Everybody loses, and I think that's a different spin that um, you can get people that weren't necessarily hearing your argument to to listen at least for a second. That hey, you know, this is costing everybody money.
1: Yeah, every and money transcends race, religion, orientation, right? Uh, If I told you, hey, did you know that Forbes did a report? that we've lost $16 trillion as an economy due to racism. Does that change the conversation? And, and while we're talking, you know, you mentioned police and the paper trail, uh, the police really are just executing laws that are made in the criminal justice system. So are they an unfair recipient of attention? Because a district attorney told them to knock down a door at one in the morning, who's at fault here, right? And so we can begin to have a broader conversation and go beyond what our beliefs are if we use the right language, and we consider solutions over feelings and emotion.
0: Yeah, I, um, again, I, I'm just I appreciate your depth and, um, and appreciation for things outside of athletics. It's obvious that you have, have a passion for, for people. Um, you know, I, I I, I want to make sure I don't get you in trouble, <laughs> but I also want <laughs> to you get your take on um, when we hear, um, like Laura Ingram, hey, just just dribble for us, LeBron. You know, you, you you know what you get paid to do. You know why you made the money in the first place. Shut up and dribble. Or we hear uh, bias in the booth uh, by Dylan Gwynn. You know, and and he was criticizing athletes for being um, for being proactive in their communities. And and I'm one of the people that would say. You don't have to. But when you do, you should. Or you when you can, you should. And right. the people with the most influence, unfortunately, in the in, in our community happen to be the athletes and the entertainers. And they the one, they're the ones right now that can move the meter. I happen to think that we're two or three generations away from that. And we may not see that in our lifetime, but the people that can move the meter need to move it.
1: Absolutely. And, and we could be upset with the comments of shut up and dribble, uh, which is a very natural reaction, right? It's, it's unrealistic to any person of color or any person in a minority category, right? There's no choice. You know, I have to change the expectations because when I go to the bank to negotiate a $1.2 million deal for a, for a property, which I'm putting 70% equity in, I don't want to spend 20 minutes with the banker asking me how it was that I figured out how to invest in stocks. What? I'm here to spend money, right? I'm here to do a deal. I'm not here to waste time. But where we go beyond and where we really create connections is when someone says, shut up and dribble, don't, I mean, go ahead and have an immediate reaction if you would like, but know that that's not the only reaction. What's her experience, right? That's my question. When people say something, I always think to myself, what's your experience? You know, I went through a transformational experience in high school. We went down to Nogales, Mexico and Arizona and we split time on the border. And it was an immigration trip just to learn about immigration. And it was through my high school. And I went down there as, you know, they're taking our jobs. I want to figure out how and why, right? Well, when I got there, uh, I realized that multiple companies across our border pay coyotes or as they call them coyotes to ferry people across the border. And at which point they have to work off their debt before they're released. So who's really doing this, right? What's the experience of a person who says shut up and dribble? 75% of Americans do not have an African-American friend. And one of the things in sports that we forget is in sports, you can't, Peyton couldn't have an issue with me being Muslim because on 3rd and 12, guess what? It doesn't matter. When we get down to it, it doesn't matter. But did the person who said shut up and dribble, Did she was she on a team that was diverse? Did she experience laughing at a different cultures, you know, comedy and humor? I mean, these are things that you can ask yourself to create a deeper conversation because reactions don't create change, right? Reactions just do not create change. Targeted conversations, targeted action, that creates change, not a reaction. And so when somebody says, shut up and dribble, I say, I would love to get you around a community of people that look different than you. I'd love for you to try Ethiopian food. For example, I'd love for you to come to a Muslim dinner where you eat with your food and, and, and eat with your hands. Right. I love for you to, you know, do you speak another language? You know, what's that person's experience. And the more we can say that the more connection we'll create, because when someone says, shut up and dribble, they have a low expectation of your capability, and that needs to be resolved, not the words, but what is it that makes you think that my only responsibility is to be an athlete? I'm a husband. I'm a father. Where does that come into play in my life? How much more important is that than me being an athlete? You know, And those are the kinds of experiences that we have to go through and, and create.
0: That's interesting and I can appreciate um, you having tolerance for that. Um, and I can't, you can't be mad at anyone for being oblivious to something they don't have experience in, you know? I've never been homeless, right? But I can't get mad at homeless people because were, what's wrong with you being homeless? I, You know, I've, I've never had that experience. So, um, you know, to, to I think that what you're describing is uh, the word that we've heard so much in the culture is empathy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have okay. to feel sorry for you, but I need to try to understand where you're coming from, even if you're saying something that I don't like.
1: And, and something that it was hard for me to, to read. And if you ever look at Dr. Martin Luther King's six principles of nonviolence, uh, I believe it's the fourth principle. He says that uh, um, victims uh, are, or uh, evildoers are victims as well. And we, we do not, we do not um, negotiate, we do not argue against people, we argue against actions. So to think about, and, and, I, and I probably chopped it up bad, but to think about that evildoers are also victims of a community that fails to value one another. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know, and this is, you know, me reading this at the Dr. King Memorial in Atlanta, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that, man. They know what they're doing, but are you, do they? right if you grew up in farmer city illinois where my, my wife's side of the family is where there are no people of color ev- anywhere right and your biggest issue is corn and soybean prices right what what's your experience where do you get engaged how does that matter to you in your individual life and so you have to recognize that even if somebody does say something that is evil but they that they are a victims themselves of the circumstances that create that opportunity to be evil, and that was that was a tough thing for me to read, and it is something that really gains me perspective to get that empathy you're mentioning.
0: How often do you check yourself with that statement? Do you do you see something um, and, and your and and like you said, your reaction is fierce, right? Your reaction, <laughs> you know what I mean. You 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 mm-hmm. want to raise up. How often do you take, does that play in the back of your head? Look, 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 they're, they're, they're victims too. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: Right. You know, I, I've had to create a process, uh, to prevent myself from, you know, just confronting the comment, not the, the issue. Right. And so one of the things that I do is I ask a how, asking a how or a what question forces someone to logically explain what they mean. So somebody says, hey, Ryan, you know, shut up and play football. Say, well, how does that help me be a better father? How does that help me? You know, how does that help me prepare my children for success in this world? Well, well, by playing football, you teach them everything they need to know about success. Really? How? How can I teach them? So asking how or what questions in response forces someone to logically explain either their comment or their position. And you can say things like, you know, if you're pro-life, how can you be anti-criminal justice reform, right? If you're pro-life, how do you how how do you call people illegal immigrants? You know, these are questions where you can really force people to logically try and explain out their issues versus attacking them the person. And that's that's how I've created that process.
0: Hmm. Um, we originally uh, were. Task to talk about financial literacy, <laughs> and uh, obviously, again, there's just so much depth, and 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 I appreciate you for that. Um, how, how do you think we can resolve some of the issues that plague our communities by being a little bit, little bit better stewards of our money? Ownership,
1: ownership, ownership, ownership is the number one way that we can create equality. Right? If I own my house, gentrification's great. Right, because hey, my property value went up. Yes, I'm gonna have to pay more in property taxes, but guess what? They can't move me, right? And not just ownership and thinking of a house. You know, one of the things with my brother's keeper, I talked to a group and all all minority young men that were I was talking to, and I said, hey, if you like Nike, who likes Nike shoes like me? Everybody raised their hand, right? Uh, who likes I- iPhones like me? Everybody raised their hand. Who owns Nike stock? I'm the only one that raises my hand, right? Who owns Apple stock? I'm the only one that raises my hand. And I'll never, and I talk about, hey, own what you buy. If you got Nike shoes and an Apple phone on AT&T wireless and you're going to the AMC movie theater, buy those stocks. And the kid stood up quick and he just had tears flowing from his eyes. He said, you mean to tell me that I can own part of a company? So absolutely for the right price. And then I start asking the fun questions, you know, when is Disney going to stop making money? As parents, we know never, right? When is the grocery store going to go out of business? Never. So thinking about money differently through ownership creates activism, right? Creates success. I go to the bank and they call me Mr. Harris. That sets a different expectation for everyone that's around there. And that comes from ownership, by owning what you buy, and also talk about delay your purchases three months to three years. And I saw this in the NFL all the time. My my teammate, my young teammate in the NFL, uh, he was a second-year player, and he was making five hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. You okay? Five eighty-five, yeah, for a year. Five eighty-five is really probably three eighty, right? And then, oh, by the way, are you living somewhere? So there goes another forty thousand dollars, right? Minimum. Now you're at three forty. Okay, are you going to eat anything? That's probably another twenty thousand dollars over the year. Probably sixty if you're if you're balling, right? You're going to the steak restaurant. So now you're at two hundred and eighty thousand dollars.
0: Don't mess around and take a date.
1: Yeah, don't yeah, don't take a date anywhere unless y'all drinking water, right? You want to travel right? Okay, call ten thousand dollars for travel. So now you're at two hundred and seventy thousand dollars with just an apartment. And so I told this young man, I said, Do not go buy a new car, do not go buy a new car, do not go buy a new car. He went and bought a brand new Porsche Panamera car that costs a hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Now I say, Delay your purchases three months to three years because three months you'll get a discount, three years. You probably get that for free, right? You get a TV that's three years old. I bet you somebody will find you a TV three years old and give it to you right now. But three months after that young man purchased his Porsche for $190,000 with no home, no investments, no income coming in, he was released from the NFL and never played. And he's driving back to Philadelphia with a Porsche Panamera with no winter tires. It's $3,500 to check the oil and get the brakes fixed on a Porsche. Preventable. You know, and we do this to ourselves all the time and it's not people of color, this is people in general. How many cars can you drive at the same time? One. How many houses can you live in at the same time? One. It's like we're averse to renting things, you know, and so through ownership, I really believe we have an opportunity to make leaps towards equality by learning how to invest and in delaying our purchases.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with you. Uh, I. Also look around, and I see, and I don't want to sound too preachy, but I, I see um, people who not only are not educated in it, and and there's a lot for me to learn. So I don't, you know, at, at times I'm definitely one of those people. Um, but I also see people who are uh, overcompensating, uh, maybe feel like they're making up for lost time. Um, you know, I I, I see um, parents who are um, filling in some voids you know, right. with with materialism, uh, where, you know, other things may have been lacking. So, uh, you know, how do you, you, you mentioned the emotional component in the workplace versus, uh, you know, kind of breaking down the facts, you know, how do we, how do we divvy up the issues that are causing this particular scenario? I, I'd say in the black community in particular, because that's the community that I know.
1: Yeah, well, and I would say it's a human condition because I had white teammates and black teammates who had a bad game on Sunday, had a new car on Monday. <laughs> you know, like that's you know retail therapy does not exist. You know, um, and, and consider the underlying f- reason why you're making a purchase. Is this person? And I always tell young people, uh, old people too, is this a flash or a function purchase, right? If I am I buying this for other people, I don't know what kind of car you drive, Coach. You don't know what kind of car I drive, and it doesn't matter, right? What matters is if we're comfortable. And to me, it matters. I ain't got no payments, right? I don't want any payments. Me too. <laughs> I care less what you think. I could care less what you think about my car on my way to winning a championship in the NFL or into you know my business endeavors. You know the millionaires I know in, in my life, uh, they drive Toyota Camrys and and things like that. You know it's. They wear the same pants and shirts. It's just something where you have to ask yourself, am I purchasing this to have a function in my life or is this a flash item? Something that looks good or is something that I believe I need. And I can tell you from my personal experience when I was a young player who went broke after making my first million dollars, I bought a lot of things that to try and signal to people to leave me alone or that I was worthy of their conversation, right? Don't, don't call me boy, right? That's a big thing that's always been in my family. So to prevent that, I'm gonna get the Cadillac with the rims. I got it used though, I'm proud of myself for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that, you know, I, have, I take my family to nice dinners, you know, so that people can see that black people can be in steakhouses too. That's irrelevant. I'm spending money for other people, right? Because I didn't want to be treated unfairly. Well, that's the actual opposite way to create equality with your money. Because the more money I have, the more equal I am to people who are in that steakhouse or are in that bank. And because of uh, the practice, especially that you know I've had my whole life of trying to sig- signal that I'm not a threat, that I'm educated, that can get caught up in my money. And it did get caught up in my money really quickly. But I had to learn to create ways to absorb inequality as well as dictate my true value and not place it on the flashy things that I could buy.
0: Um, I feel like if I was called Mr. Reese at the bank, I would go more often. You know, (laughs) just get a pen, you know? Hey, and I take the pens too. I go in there, let me get some of those pens. I take five (laughs) or six of them. Let's go, man. Um, And, and I know you're not a financial advisor and, and I I'm probably have to put a disclaimer on the end of this video. Um, but, but, you know, for some people we look up, we, we look at our financial situation is like standing at the base of the Sears tower. And you just say, I don't know how to get from here. And I like to call it the dirty room syndrome. My room is so messy that I don't know what to pick up first. And so yeah. I don't pick up anything. And you know what are some things, some small steps that people can can take right now with what they have to better their financial situation.
1: I love this question. Um, uh, USA Today did a uh, study. You save ninety two thousand dollars by bringing uh, your lunch from home three times a week, just by doing that. And one thing I say all the time: just save five dollars. The next opportunity you have, can you save? Five dollars, and that all of a sudden starts making okay. I can save five dollars now. Whether that's not going out to a movie or that's you know going to a movie and not getting the popcorn, right? It's all about breaking the behavior we think we need. You know, I grew my family. We grew up every every other Friday we went to Target, right? And so it's funny. I was in the NFL, and every other Friday I was going to Target. I didn't need to go to Target every other Friday, right? Right. You know, so save $5. That's the first thing I tell people save $5. And then I also say just invest. If you purchase one share of one stock, it will change the way you look at money forever, period. And all of a sudden, you'll start learning other language like dividends and, um, you know, interest and compound interest, and then your money grows. So first save $5 because that will break one of your behavioral financial tendencies, right? And the other buy one stock. I mean, there are stocks as uh, available as much as $8, $25. You know, I tell people and, and you're right, I'm not a money, I'm not a money financial advisor, but I am somebody who's lived with money and I can, and I'm somebody who's benefited from investing, but spend $30 and purchase a stock, just purchase one and watch the stock price, right? Learn the ticker symbol um and also one thing that i didn't know you can actually pay off your debt early you know if you have a home mortgage and you double your principal payment susie orman talks about it all the time you cut your mortgage years in half i literally did not know i could pay off my i could pay off debt it early right until i bought my first home and and my financial advisor's like we got to work on paying off that that house I'm like what do you mean i have 30 years to do he's like no you can pay it off before that I'm like really that was my our conversation so you know Save $5, purchase a share of stock, and then start to try and pay down your debt. That brings cash immediately back into you, and you're on a longer timeline than you believe. I mean, Coach Reese, you and I know five years goes fast. Ten years goes even faster, right? And all of a sudden, you start saving $5 here and there, buying a share of stock here and there, and paying down your debt. Well, five years later, you're going to be sitting pretty, and ten years later, you're going to be financially independent. Meaning you can negotiate a new salary. You can go after a passion
0: project because you
1: have savings in your bank account and all these ways help us live a richer, fuller life.
0: I I can imagine, you know, being in NFL locker rooms for as long as you were and just looking at some of the mistakes and, and honestly, being fortunate enough to to get a few contracts, right. And seeing guys come and go. And, uh, you know, you had some time to learn those lessons and you have some opportunities to fall and get back up. So what, you know, if people that are watching this might say, oh, man, you, you had opportunities and second opportunities and you figured it out. Uh, why do you care about what I'm doing? What, what, what is your what is your reasoning behind any of this? Any behind just 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 stand by just sit behind the microphone and do what you do. Why do you even care about what we're doing? Because i'm a part of the community
1: i'm a part of us and the more we see each other as teammates the more success we will all have you know me helping uh anybody learn how to invest and manage their money that creates a better parent there are studies after studies that talk about how financial stress is the number one reason for div- divorce i had a teammate commit suicide because of financial uh debts that he owed i mean I've seen the catastrophic results when we fail to talk to each other about how to prepare for life. Oh, by the way, uh, a wealthier community means a safer community. And if we want to have safe communities that look like us, that look like us, everybody, that means we all have to be more financially literate, right? And we need to not know, I mean, I say, I know more about FOIL, right? The algebraic formula, first outside, inside, last. I knew more about that than I did interest rates in high school. That's a problem, right? Cause I've never used that since then. And we use interest rates and finance on money all the time. So my response to somebody say, why do you care? Because I believe in your ability to succeed. And I believe in your ability to make a difference in your life with those you love and in our shared community. And the best way to do that is through financial literacy and managing your money, because I will not do it for you and no one else will. And if you don't care about your money most, no one
0: else will. I think that's a perfect note to end on. That's a, uh, you know, I could do this all day for sure, but yeah. I, I appreciate you taking out the time and, and sharing the wisdom. I wrote those few books down. I'm definitely gonna go check those out. And um, yeah, I, I just, Thank you. I, I appreciate you spending the time. Thank you for everything you do
1: with athletics and beyond. I, I love the organization and uh, thanks for all your work, Coach Reese, day in and day out in our community. You change lives every day and in that way we are changing the world. So thank you so much for having me.
0: And we're just getting started.
1: Just getting started. We ain't done winning yet. Yes, sir. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.